Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't this great? Let me make this uh, decorations to set up here. Isn't this fun? Come on, Garrett, smile. Isn't this fun? Come on, yeah. Well, I guess then we're all going to come uh, dressed in costume this week, I understand. You, you had your hat on this morning. My cowboy... I don't... No, thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a cowboy hat and I got cowboy boots, but they are, been, they've already been confiscated and they're downstairs uh, decorating a room down there. So I'll have to think of something really creative like a pair of jeans or something like that maybe. <laughs> this is good though. I like this. Saddle, boots. I can only guess where those came from. And uh, that saddle bag over there, I've had my eye on a saddle bag, briefcase, messenger bag at Eddie Bauer for the last six months. Maybe this would be a good excuse to buy it. I've been waiting for a good excuse, so we'll see if I can find that. But uh, we're looking forward to it. And uh, hey, anytime, if you'd like to just come by in the morning, we have an opening assembly every morning, uh, Monday through Thursday. Friday it's at the end. And you're welcome to come in and sit in the back and just enjoy the, uh, uh, the skits and the music. Uh, we'd love to have you participate. So feel free to stop by during the assembly time. But especially, I encourage you to come to our picnic on Thursday. And we actually are going to have a horse here, right? Yeah. <laughs> A real horse. That's right, Paul, a real horse. So uh, not a fake one, I, believe me. Whoops, I'm having trouble with my stuff here today. So anyway, uh, we're looking forward to that. How many of you have ever, maybe on your job, maybe on a team or a school or this community, have you ever had a situation where you were told to do something by somebody who had authority over you, and you did it, but your first response was, uh, this isn't going to go so well. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's not going to go so well. Maybe it's one boss who tells you to do something, and you're thinking this other boss over here that also thinks they're my boss. They're, they're not going to like that. Some of you are laughing. You've had that situation, haven't you? Maybe uh, you know it wasn't going to be popular. Maybe you were asked to do something that you knew was going to be costly and it was not going to be popular. Um, you know this happens. And and have you ever gotten trouble? for doing something you were asked to do. Trouble in the sense of not ethics or moral, but trouble in the sense of trouble with other people or persecution because you did what you were asked to do. Don't have to raise your hand, but I see some of you looking at me with either shaking your head or smiling that you know what I'm talking about. And uh, this happens. And this morning, we are going to wrap up our study of Ephesians. We've been studying Ephesians. Uh, somebody asked me at the picnic yesterday, our class picnic, how long we've been in Ephesians. And I honestly couldn't remember when we started, <laughs> started the study. It was sometime this last winter. And um, when we do book studies like this, we like to you know, take a section at a time, move through it, but cover all of it. So I'd like to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. In Ephesians chapter 6, and we really are at the very last uh, three to four verses, and we're going to finish our study this morning of Ephesians. Now, as we do so, uh, and we're going to see, as we do so, uh, we remind you that uh, the Apostle Paul got in trouble for doing what he was asked to do. But let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, a place to come. Lord, we just thank you for a place. I uh, just thinking this past week as our young people met on Thursday uh, with the college age group, and then throughout the week, the, the activities for Bible school. We're just so blessed to have a place. I think the people have sacrificed over the years to 
provide this place that we can come, uh, we can worship, we can celebrate, we can have fun, we can enjoy teaching your word and sharing your word. And uh, Lord, most of all, a place where lives can be touched and changed. And we just thank you for that. And also for the privilege that we have to open your word without fear and in freedom today. And we never take this lightly. And as we open your word this morning, it's our prayer that your words, Father, your words would be heard this day. And we pray this in Christ our Savior's name. Amen. Now, last Sunday, Pastor Gary um, shared with you uh, verses 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. And we focused last week on the importance of prayer and praying for one another and how we pray. And uh, I know some of you this past week, maybe you took that to heart and, and spent more time in prayer and prayed on different occasions, and prayed while you are in the car, prayed while you were maybe in an interview. I mean, just pray as, as God brought things to your mind. And then Paul also, in the context of this, asked specifically in verse 19, prayer for himself. This is kind of interesting that, you know, we think of here's the Apostle Paul, you know, the, you know, the great apostle who had been called and had gone over the world preaching the gospel, and yet he, just like us, asked for prayer that when he opens his mouth, that words will be given to him, that he will make fearlessly known the mystery of the gospel. And Paul, just like you, there are times where we, we get afraid. It's not easy to open our mouth and share the gospel. You know, we, we live the Christian life, we, we share, but there comes a point at which people want to know and we have to tell them what the gospel is. And oftentimes it's at that point that we, we kind of shut down, and, and we all face this. I know that. It, it, and we sometimes get afraid of how they're going to respond. How they, are we going to be rejected? Or am I going to say it right? And Paul says, pray for me, that I would be fearless. And, I, and we need to pray the same. But as we, as we see this, I, wanna, I want you to notice verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. As we come to the end of this epistle, we finish where we started back in chapter 1 where we, we talked about Paul, an apostle of, of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus. And we talked about Paul is writing this as a prisoner in Rome. This is one of the prison epistles. As we come to the end of the book of Acts and we see Paul in prison in Rome, yes, it's house arrest, but he is still a prisoner. He's not in a dungeon. That will come later on, a Roman dungeon. But he is under house arrest. He is not free to go anywhere. And he has a Roman soldier with him all the time, at least one. He is a, he is a ward of the Roman state as a Roman citizen. And we talked about that as, as he writes this letter from Italy, from Rome, and he sends it to modern-day uh, northwest Turkey, north-central west Turkey, to Ephesus, which is right off the coast. So think of the Mediterranean, think of a map of the Mediterranean world, and this letter goes all the way over there from Paul the prisoner. And Paul had spent time in Ephesus. It was one of the places where he spent a significant amount of time, three years. He knew these people well. He was their pastor, if you will. He, he appointed and, and had elders like Timothy, who took over for him. He, was this, he probably knew the people at Ephesus as well as any other group of Christians that he had been associated with. He was very close to them. 
he writes this letter to them, and he reminds them that he is a prisoner. And I want you to notice why he is a prisoner. He tells us here, in the end of verse 19, he says that I may make known, and notice it's not just the gospel, it's the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. As we come to the end of this epistle, I want to remind you where we started, that, that this apostle is a prisoner in Rome for the gospel. But not, it is interesting, it's not just the gospel, it's the mystery of the gospel. And I also want to remind you that when, when they received this letter, I mean, these people didn't have Bibles. They, you know, the Bible isn't, the Gospels aren't available yet in, in terms of, as far as we know, in terms of a package or some kind of book that's circulating. They have, the, they have the traditions and saying of Jesus and the Gospels are being written, but they don't have access to them necessarily. They don't have the Old Testament. That's in the synagogue. I mean, it's big scrolls. The, the, the Old Testament is in the synagogue. They have what parts of it, whatever they've copied. They have it in their heart if they're Jewish. But the pagans, the Gentiles, they don't have any of that. And they come together in this early church. And they, and they have come, some of these people, from just absolute pagan background. And they receive this letter from Paul. Not a Bible, but they, but they receive the, the pages. They receive the, the leaves that it's written on. And they gather together as a church. And I can guarantee you that when they gathered, and we know this is the tradition, that when they gathered, somebody stood up and read from start to finish, just like if you received a letter from somebody you love. Some of you here think about the first time back when we wrote letters, you know, um, and you were in the military maybe, and maybe you were overseas, or maybe the first time you went off to college, and maybe even like today, an email, uh, you, you, you know, somebody, or like, for example, a guy's in Tanzania, you know, my son-in-law's on this team in Tanzania, and we get an update, we don't, you know, we don't read, I'm sure Emily doesn't read uh, one sentence or so and say, okay, that, that's nice, I'll read the last, maybe tomorrow, I'll see when I think about it. No, you're anxious to read it, right? You read it. So when they got this letter from the Apostle Paul, they sat down and they listened to it in one setting. And so in that one setting, they have just read what we studied back in probably March or April, maybe. But can I just remind you of chapter 3? Would you go back to chapter 3 for a moment? Because I also want to point out to you, when Paul says, I am in prison for preaching the mystery of the gospel, there's a reason he uses that word mystery, because he has already used it. And I want, let's look at verse 2. Surely you have heard about, and the Greek word here is a word we get dispensation from. You have heard about the dispensation of God's grace. And NIV uses the word administration. It's the word we get economy a dispensation that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly in reading this, you will be able to under, understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the spirit to God's holy and apostles and prophets. And he tells us what it is. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say that I was given, in verse 8, was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ 
verse 9, to make plain to everyone the dispensation, the administration that was given to Paul, of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, remember that, through the church, should be made known to all authorities and rulers, to all creation. So Paul is in prison, he says, because he has preached the mystery of the gospel. And in Ephesians, he has told us what this mystery is, that God is doing something new. And he says, I was commissioned to go to the Gentile world to preach to them this mystery that Jew and Gentile are now one. You no longer come through the people of Israel. You no longer have to come and, and, and accept Christ, but also come through the Mosaic law, through the message of this kingdom that was coming, the Messianic kingdom. You are now free to come apart from any connection to the Mosaic law. Jew and Gentile. Jews want to continue keeping the law, want to live kosher, that's fine. Gentiles, you are not required to do that. You are free to come apart from any legal obligation through simple faith in Christ. And God has created a new humanity, a new people, the church, the body of Christ. Now, listen, you and I, this is something that has been, you know, has been in operation for over 2,000 years. You and I don't live in a world that is separated by a racial barrier of, of Jew and Gentile. We don't live that way. That's not our context. But in the, in the Bible, in the Bible story, and in the story of God's plan of redemption, this was very important. And I want to show you this. I want to prove, I want to prove this point to you, if you don't mind. I'd like you to go back in your Bible to Acts chapter 22. We're going to look at several passages today. And incidentally, if you do not have a Bible... We have Bibles on the back in the, in the kiosk, uh, visitor kiosk in the narthex. Those Bibles that are on there are for you to take. If you don't have a Bible, please take a Bible. If you know someone who doesn't have a Bible and you'd like to give them a Bible, please take a Bible. That money's been donated for those Bibles. We buy them by the case. We buy a very, get a very good price on them and we want you to have them. We try to have them also in different places in the pews, maybe in the ends. If you don't have one, uh, please, please have one. We'd love you to have one. But in Acts chapter 22, um, the, the, the Apostle Paul is preaching. He's been, he has been arrested now. This is back in Palestine. He's been in, he was in Jerusalem. And he has come down to Jerusalem. He actually came from the area of Ephesus. He's been in Ephesus. This is before the prison epistles. He's been in Ephesus. He has come down to Jerusalem. They know there's going to be trouble because he is controversial. Because he is going to non-Jews and preaching that they are free to receive Christ, the Jewish Messiah, as their Savior. And, and, and there's, a, there's an uproar every place he goes. We know that. And, and he, he knows there's going to be trouble. In fact, he tries to, to, to preempt a little bit by what he does when he comes down there and has, and has those with him practice the law before they go into the temple. To show, I'm not out to stop the Jewish law. That's not what I'm about. Jews, you are free to keep the Jewish law. But you cannot impose it upon the Gentiles. This has already been established. He comes down to he comes down and he's and and, and of course the trouble starts and he and he's finally taken by the Romans, really for his own sake. And you'll see that in chapter 21. Look at verse 30. The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions and they seized Paul and they dragged him from the temple and and, and so he's he's going to lose his life. So the Romans step in. 
And, and he, gets a chance, uh, he gets a chance to speak to his fellow Jews. And in chapter 21, at the end, he says, he spoke to them in Aramaic, and they all whew, quieted down. This, this was Saul of Tarsus, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, Hebrew of the Hebrews, Pharisee of the Pharisees, teacher of the Jewish law, rabbi. And he began to preach. And he began to speak to his fellow Jews and told them his story about his conversion. How he was saved, how God had called him while he was out trying to persecute the church. He tells them in, 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 in verse uh, 3, I was, I'm a Jew and I was brought up under Gamaliel. Gamaliel to this day is considered the last of the great teachers of the rabbis of Judaism. To this day. And Paul says, I sat under his feet. And he tells his conversion. He tells that he was going to Damascus. And he tells how God, the Lord Jesus Christ, appeared to him. And he, he goes, and you can read this on yourself. And he goes about his story going to Ananias in Damascus. But look what it says here. He says, as he's telling this story, he says, verse 14, God, then he said, God of our fathers has chosen you. This is what he was told when he went after his conversion. To know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear words from his mouth. You will be witness to all, to, to, to all men. And he goes on to talk about how he was, he was, he was sent to the Gentile world and, and he was there, but he was there when Stephen, and he said, I was, I was there when Stephen was martyred and they listened to him. They remembered that story. I was there. I picked up his clothes. And he tells the rest of the story about Stephen. He comes to the end of it. And they're all listening. And look what he says in verse 21. He tells them, Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And look at the response to that statement. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. And they raised their voices. And they shouted, Rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. It's when he, when he finally got the point, he says, listen, I was sent with this message to the Gentiles. And they said, wait a minute, this is, this is beyond, this is over the top. He is not fit to live. What's he talking about? Taking this message of Jesus Christ, they were listening to him, they were caught, they were pondering, and he says, I'm going to the Gentiles, and they uproar, and they grabbed him, and, they were, and, and the Romans stepped in and took him for his own safety. It's because of his ministry to the Gentile world that Paul was imprisoned. The Romans took him for his own safety. And, and he has another chance to, to give his message again before the Romans. And he, and he gives this message again. And, and he tells a story. And he, get, and he gets to the end of his story in, in chapter 26. In verse 23. And he, he says, I'm, I'm just teaching what the prophets taught. And he says in verse 23, that I, and I pro, I've been teaching that the Christ would suffer as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, the Roman governor, Festus, interrupted and said, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning has made you mad. It's driven you insane. I, I told you, when I was in college at Grace Bible College, Goody here, we had that little, someone put the plaque up before her day in the library and said, uh, your great learning has driven you mad. You know, I put it in the light church, in the library, the college to remind us. But anyway, uh, you didn't get that. Anyway, so, but, but, but it's when he, well, why? Even the Roman governor says, Paul, this is an internal Jewish affair. You can, you can teach what you want. You can teach what you want about your Messiah, but you're crazy. You're going to take this to us, to the non-Jews. And he says, you're, 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 you've gone nuts. You're crazy. You're mad. So I'm, I'm telling you this to, sh to show you 
that there's some significance in chapter 6 of Ephesians. We come to the end of this letter and Paul says that I would make, pray for me, that I would continue to make known the mystery, the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. That's why he's in prison. And from that point of Acts, from the time he's arrested, he spends almost four and a half years, two years in Caesarea, a boat trip to Rome, and two years in Rome at least. We know at the end of Acts 28. Why? Because he was preaching, I mean, he was preaching this message to the Gentile world. Now, the reason I wanted to emphasize that this morning, and, and as we come to the conclusion of our study, you know at our church, we, we, do, we do try to emphasize this, that there was a unique ministry Paul was given to the Gentile world to bring this message of the, the new people of God, the church, the body of Christ. You and I don't live in that world, of this Jew and Gentile divide. But listen, this is not just some academic or theological issue. I've had people say, well, in all that study of theology and dispensational theology and all this, just give me Jesus. I fully understand that. This is how God was giving the world Jesus. This is how you got Jesus. This is your world. And what happened here, what happened, and what Paul is telling us why he's in prison, what happened is God began to do something that was so radically different. The next phase of his plan of redemption. He, we have the story of salvation going back to the Garden of Eden. We have the proto-evangel, the first gospel, where God promises to Satan in the Garden of Eden that, that you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And it's a prophecy of a, of a coming Savior who would destroy Satan. And then we have the story unfolded where God picks a man, Abraham, and promises him a land, a people, worldwide blessing. And from that man, he, he picks a, a, a son, Isaac, and a grandson, Jacob. And he picks Jacob and, his, and, his, and his, the twelve tribes that came from Jacob. And he begins his plan of redemption. And he, and he does begin, and he, and he calls Moses, and he gives the Mosaic Law. And his people, Israel, are to, are to, to live by his law. They are unique, called out, ch- chosen People, I've chosen you, God said. And part of their part of their ministry was to be a light to the world of, of God and what He was doing. You read the Old, the Old Testament pages, and there was tremendous failure, and, and to the point that they were taken off the land and taken to captivity. God's plan of redemption. Then Jesus Christ came, who was God Himself, and He says, "I came but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Because he came to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies. And he had to die on the cross at Calvary. It was God's plan for salvation. And he died and he paid the price of sin for all time. Old Testament and New Testament and today. All sin, it was paid for at the cross at Calvary. And then as Jesus died on the cross at Calvary. And the message went to Israel. He is your Messiah. God is ready to offer you the kingdom. And you read the early part of Acts, and it's resisted, resisted, and resisted, and they killed Stephen. And Paul, Saul of Tarsus was there, standing at his feet, and they killed Stephen, the leaders of Israel. And, and God called Saul, converted him, and said, this next phase of, of my salvation story, which I have kept secret. It wasn't, it wasn't plan B. It wasn't God had to think of something new to do. This was, part, this was the plan all along. Read Romans 9 through 11. 
The next phase of God's ministry was something brand new that is so radical. Think of it. For the first time, this story of salvation is offered radically apart from any ethnicity, any gender, any social status, anything. Paul tells us in Galatians, and you can read this in, in chapter 3 and in, in verse 26, that, that in Jesus Christ, it's, this, is, this is to us, this is just not that big a deal maybe, because it's just what we're used to. But in the first century, in this world that Paul lives in, there's no wonder he was arrested. There's no wonder the Roman governor said, Paul, you have gone insane. You're going to bring this religion to us? Us non-Jews? This God, this one God? Nobody believed in one God. Read the history of the world. There was one flicker in, in, in Egypt back during the time of the pharaohs where there was someone, one of the, 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 the pharaohs had taught about the sun god. But, but, but nobody believed that there was just one god. Everybody had their gods. And it was a matter of whose god was more important, whose god was more powerful, who won. This was Only Jews had one god. And the Roman governor says, Paul, you're nuts. You're going to bring this to us? But for the first time, there is neither male nor female. That is still radical in some places in the world today. You don't think so. Read your papers. She's the little girl that was shot for going to school that was, spoke to the UN this week. But in Jesus Christ, there is equality between male and female. Spiritual equality. Equal access. Jew or Gentile. We can open that up to any race today. There is no racial divide. There is no ethnicity connected with Christianity. Slave or free. And as that church at Ephesus gathered, and think of those dynamics, as this, this person here is, 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 is a master of the house, and over here, sitting next to him, is his servant or slave. And they go home, and they are master, and they are slave. But when they come before God, they are co-equal. There is no distinction. In fact, the slave might even be a leader in the church. The slave might end up being the pastor of the church. Who knows? Listen, friends, this is radical. This is revolutionary. This changed the world. That all these divides, especially in the old world that they lived by, that Paul, Paul dared to stand up and dared to say, there is nothing that separates us. We are one in Christ and we do this apart from any connection even to the legalism of the Jewish law. And they said, Paul, you're not, you're, not, you're not fit to live. Paul, you've gone crazy. Listen, this is not just an academic exercise. This is the story of salvation. Now listen, what is the result of this? What is the result of this? The result of this is that we belong to a household of faith. You and I today, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you belong to an international body, family. It is the only faith in the world. It is the only thing that ever happened like this. It was radical, I'm telling you. And they got it. In fact, you know, it's interesting. There, there's always these you know, books about Jesus and so on. I'm not even going to mention the book or the author because I'm not recommending it. But there's a new, a new book. I saw a review. And 
uh, one of the literary reviews talked about this book that was that's come out about a, a, a story of Jesus. It's not it's not accurate to the Bible, but it's a, it's, it's a quite a bestseller, I guess. And he says this person, this author, takes a somewhat dim view of Pauline Christianity, arguing that Paul's concept of divine cosmic Christ is at odds with the Jerusalem Church of James, brother of Jesus, and with the Gospel of John. Um, following the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. The Christ of Paul's creation utterly subsumed the Jesus history, giving the world the Christianity we have today. This perspective is hardly new, but is accessible and strongly presented in this book. And this is the story of the rabbis. They understood that. People that don't believe in the Christian faith, they understand it. When Paul took this message to the Gentile world, it changed everything. And we are the result. And the result is today, we send a team of five guys to Tanzania. They're over there right now. I've, I've been to Africa. I've been to Southeast Asia. Some of you have traveled. Some of you have been on mission trips. We've got young people, as we've mentioned. Uh, Casey was in Uganda and Rwanda with her mom this, this summer. Uh, Julia Young is right now in Costa Rica. i got a wonderful update. Her dad forwarded to me of her work in Costa Rica. Josh Herman is in Southeast Asia going all over the place and preaching and teaching. We have our guy. And listen. The amazing thing is, Casey, did you meet any Christians in Rwanda and Uganda? And when you met those Christians, had you ever seen or talked to them before? Had you ever seen them or talked to them before? When you met them, was there any kind of a bond? Why? Because they were Christians. And this is it. You, you go anywhere in the world. It's just like if, if I went to Wales, if I went to Wales and and I met family that my from my mom's side of the family and i could meet a lot of people in england and wales but if i met some of the walters and morgans there would be a connection right away because they're related to me if, if i if i could go to although i couldn't go to Rhodes because the jewish community was wiped out there but occasionally if i could meet some some relatives from my dad's side of the family they would be special because they're connected to me and we have brothers and sisters around the world that you don't even know, but if you were to go there today and sit in their church and talk to them and meet with them, you would feel a bond like Casey did and a oneness as our guys in Tanzania are right now. Why? Because we are one family. We are a unique people of God. This is why, listen, friends, you know, last week in our bulletin, uh, we have, and I'm not, and I'm, I, I'm, I do the same thing. I, and I know what happens sometimes. We get so much stuff that sometimes we don't pay attention. But last week, in this last Sunday's bulletin, we had Grace Ministries around the world, two pages of notes of our mission work through Grace Ministry International. We had two pages, things to come, work. This is a family here. It's going to be with us. He's going to be with us at our missions conference. It's a Filipino working in Thailand, and we're looking forward to having him. Two pages of that. We had our own Brian Mission Chronicles that our own missionary people here put together. Two pages of, from our missionaries. We have here Adopt a Room from Jacob's Well. It's in the Bolton again today, right here in Shoreline, that the Christian family in Shoreline is helping work together, and we are asking you to help contribute. Listen, friends, do we, do we read these? 
Do we really, do we really care about what's going on around the world? Do we pray for them? Do we, do we adopt a family? Maybe in not, not, even not financially, but maybe we adopt a field. Maybe our family and our children or grandchildren that we could say, you know what, this year we're gonna, we're gonna pray for Cambodia. We've got brothers and sisters trying to, in Laos, where it's still dangerous. We're gonna pray for this family. We're gonna pray for them. We're gonna encourage them. We're gonna send a note. We're gonna get involved with, with, with the Union Gospel Mission in Seattle, with Jacob's Well with world concern. We're going to get involved. We're going to be part, and we're going to realize that we are part of something so much bigger than just our little corner here in Shoreline. This is the result of this. It's not just an academic theological discussion. The result of what Paul has been teaching us and telling us through this epistle to the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, the result is what we are today, the universal church, international family, the body of Christ. And it is the reason why you can go anywhere in the world and sit down with a brother or sister of any race, gender, social status, wealth or poverty, and you can sit down you can share a meal, whether it's in a whether it's in a five-star hotel or whether it's in a hut in Africa or somewhere, or or, or a Kentucky Fried Chicken in the Philippines. You can sit you can sit down, and you are bonded. Why? Because of the mystery of the gospel that Paul was in prison for. This is our story. It's who we are. And so in conclusion, as we come to the end of this, notice how he wraps this up. And I just, this just shows how this works. Tychicus, verse 21. Dear brother, faithful servant in the Lord, he will tell you everything. So you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing. I am sending him, all of Paul's epistles, you get these personal, generally, these personal touches. These people are going back and forth. And he says, I'm sending Tychicus, and he's sending for this very purpose that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. And and we see this Tychicus, who is from Asia, he's from Turkey, modern day Turkey. He's been in Rome with Paul. He's going back to Turkey, and it turns out many of the Bible teachers and scholars believe he actually bore five of Paul's letters and carried them. That, that, That he was the one who carried uh, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, uh, one of the Timothy letters, and Titus. He may have been the one who carried those from Paul to these various places. Here is an a- Asia minor. He's from Turkey. He's working in Rome. He's going back to Turkey so they can know what's happening in Rome, and they can be encouraged, and they can pray for one another, and the people in, Tur- in Asia can know about Rome, and the Romans know. You know how far apart that was in the old world? Listen, as far as Dar es Salaam, Africa is, and our guys had a long journey, they left Seattle and they were there in 24 hours, several flights later, but they were there. From Rome to Turkey in the old world, you're talking weeks at the best. But they were already this international community where they are sharing, they are ministering, they are, they are encouraging. They are, they, one, one are free and one's in prison. Some are poor and some are rich. Some need help and some can help. Some are literate and some are illiterate. Illiterate. Some are slaves and some are free. But it's happening. 
this radical thing, the church, the body of Christ, is happening. And you have an example right here as you come to the end of Ephesians. I'm sending Tychicus so he can encourage you. He can tell you how we are. And he's going to, he'll bring back word to me because he does come back to Paul. And we conclude the letter where we started. Peace be to the brothers, the brotherhood. It includes sisters, sisterhood too. We know that. Peace be to the brotherhood. Peace be to the family. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And where we started in, in chapter 1, verse 2, grace, grace, unmerited favor, what you and I don't deserve, to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying, or the word really is uncorruptible. It's the same word used in 1 Corinthians 15 about the body. An uncorruptible love. Grace and peace to you all. And Tychicus took that letter and brought it to the church. And they sat down and they, in rapt anticipation, sat there and listened to their, their, their pastor Paul. And they read and they listened to that letter. And they were encouraged. They were challenged. And you know what? When all was said and done, probably a lot of those people end up giving their lives for the gospel too. Because it turned out to be difficult everywhere to be a Christian. We have brothers and sisters as we meet today. And as difficult as it was for some of you to get all your kids ready for church this morning, and I've been there, I know that. And for some of you physically, it was difficult to get here today, and God bless you for coming. We have brothers and sisters today who when they go meet, they know it could mean jail, it could mean beatings, it could mean they lose their job, it could mean all sorts of repercussions. But they go. They go. And they are your brother and mine, and my sister and yours. And this is why we pray, we encourage, we support, and we hold up. This is not a theological exercise. It is the very truth and foundation for why we're here today. That we are the new people of God. Where there is no barrier. There is no distinction. And don't you dare and don't I dare ever put those distinctions where somebody because of race male or female, money or social status has any more importance than anybody else. If we do, we are cutting out the foundation on which we, are, which we have been built. We are the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, Jew or Gentile, male or free, bond or servant, rich or poor, tall or short. We are. The church, the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's close our service with a song. Now listen, this week we're going to see an operation here at our church, what I've just been talking about. We are going to be the body of Christ. And there are going to be children here this week of Asian, African, European, East Indian, South American, Native, you name it. We will be an ethnically mixed group. You come and see. This is our community that we live in. We will have children here whose parents 
do not speak English. We may even have some students here who, who are just learning English. This is, this is what's going to happen. This is who we are. This is our chance this week to, to show the love of God to everyone apart from any distinction. And our leaders will do that. And you pray for us. And you pray that God will touch lives and the children will come and they'll bring their friends. And we'll have a one. Will you pray for us? Let me see your hand if you'll pray for us this week. Come on, if you promise to pray for us this week. All right, we're counting on you. And wherever that horse better show up, that horse better show up or I'm going to be in big trouble with at least one little guy here, okay? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. <laughs> we thank you, Lord. For everybody that's going to be involved this week, I thank you for everybody that's taken time to come today. Lord, bless them. They could be anywhere else today, but they've come. To, they've chosen to come to worship you, to celebrate, to share together. Some are here today, Lord, and they're very discouraged. You know, some tough things in their life going on, but they've come. And we pray you would encourage their hearts. Some here today are on top of the world, Lord, and we pray that that joy and celebration uh, will bring honor and glory to you. Most of all, we pray that our lives will demonstrate the grace, mercy, and love that you have shared with us that we don't deserve. And we love you, Father, and we pray you'll walk with us this week as we know you will by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.